Welcome, everybody, to the Assuminati podcast, the podcast that explores everyday topics with the assumption that a conspiracy may be at hand. I'm Brandon. I'm Bobby. I'm Matt. Let's do this. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to the Assuminati podcast. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing great. Welcome, everyone. Living the dream. Living the dream. That's what we do. Well, thank you. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening to last week's episode on the North Carolina ghost stories. Bobby led us through some of the creepy and, and ooky stories from the East Coast. Thanks for doing Spooky. that again, Bobby. Yeah, yeah there's, Bobby. Some, there's some creepy, creepy stuff. Creepy, creepy. It was the last episode, the way, way to wrap it up, of the Spookinati series Ooh. in 2023. Man, that was fun. I love October. It was fun. It was good times. Good, good time. Okay, well, we are on to the month of November. Can you believe it, gentlemen? No. Ugh. This year has flown by. We're already it in November. It's November yeah. already. Time has Golly. flown by. I'm not. Although, I'm really enjoying the fall. But I can't believe it's November. It has been a beautiful fall. My favorite holiday, Thanksgiving's right around the corner, which, Bobby, I think you had a name for November. Did, did you have a nickname for what we're coming up on? Well, coming I think up on? Matt named it. Oh, I was it make... Matt? I got to give credit yeah. where credit's due. Yeah, this was totally a Matt doing, but it was a thankful naughty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, or should we just go with, roll a with thank a naughty? Thank a naughty. That's better. Thinking a little more, thinking naughty, more pop to it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's a stretch, but we're gonna go with it. A thinking naughty. We're gonna. It almost sounds naughty. We're, we're gonna go with it though. Now, before I'm we dive in, thankful for the naughty moments in my life. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You sometimes everybody so. needs a little naughty sometimes. <laughs> yep. Depends on how far you go with it, right? So what we're going to do, we're going to move on from the Spookinati into some newer topics, maybe some uh, some more up-to-date topics. Again, we had a lot of fun, but uh, it's time to grow up, gentlemen. It's time to move on. Fine. Let's start, though, with uh, our new tradition of Matt and Bobby react to the news. You guys ready for this week's headline? Lay oh, yeah. On. Bring it. This is tailor-made for us, gentlemen. So Tailor-made. I'll leave a portion of it out again. Uh, I'll, I'll omit a portion of the headline. You tell me what you think happened here. So the headline reads, Man does this to avoid paying the bill at over 20 restaurants. Now, is he on a date? He, I believe, is married. This is an international headline. So this happened okay. in Europe. I'll give you some hints there. He is a Lithuanian man, and this happened in Spain. So over and over and over. That he re- does to get out of paying the bill over and over and over again. A repeat offender. I think he well, fakes I, an illness. Okay. I don't know. I'm thinking it's like a bug in the soup. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, both of those are great guesses. Wow. A fly in the ointment? It could be a hair, too. That's gross. So he's yeah, done this that is over gross. and over to the point where police involvement is heavy and Ooh, often. Police heavy so, and often. Yeah, he he gets caught every once in a while and spends a few nights in jail and then moves on to the next victim, the next restaurant. So he is a serial getting serial. out of paying the bill. Yep. So he does this over and okay, over. Okay, maybe, maybe he's uh, maybe he's saying that it somebody else is covering it. And he points to another table or something. <laughs> Put this on room 202, please. And, uh, okay. If the police party. are involved, I don't know. That's kind of <laughs> interesting. Well, what you do, like, Matt, you're on to something. You just have to stop at their table and, like, pass Pretend some to know pleasantries. Yeah. Right? Get to know them, whatever. Make sure the waitress makes eye contact. And and then you leave and you'll be like, and they wave at the person. You're like, hey, Thanks. It was good to see you guys too. We and then call walk that, out. We call that a Lloyd Christmas from uh, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Does that ever worked besides Dumb and Dumber? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm I've sure never somebody's actually tried it. it but Old sea bass is going to come get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. You guys, you guys are pretty spot on here. I think you're on to me. 
So a Lithuanian man has been arrested in Spain after allegedly faking heart attacks at 20 Ooh. different restaurants across the country in order to That's avoid terrible. paying the bill. Wow. He's, he's 50 years old, so he is of age, um, and he scammed at least 20 eateries, the majority of them in Spain. Yeah, how is this not backfiring a little bit? Because I'm sure these restaurants, to cover their liability, are like, well, we're going to call an ambulance or they something. Do. Mm-hmm. They do. So the and ambulance so, shows up. What's he doing with that bill? That's the thing, though. That's a good question. There's a, uh, a version of universal health care uh, in these yeah. areas. They ain't got and the so, American get a big bill. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why that wouldn't work here. Dang. Right. Yeah, you can't do that here. Yeah. After ordering food and drinks, he would put on an outrageous theatrical performance, clutching his chest and pretending to faint on the floor. What a jerk. <sighs> I don't want to be there when karma comes back on that guy. <laughs> well, here's yeah. the thing. So, yeah, once in a while, one of these restaurant owners will see right through it. And instead of calling the ambulance, they call the police. The man seems to smile whenever he sees the police, knowing what's coming. And he, he willingly spends the night or two in jail uh, and then moves on to his next victim. So he's, like you said, a, a serial heart attack faker. So maybe he really just likes the cavity check when think, he goes into jail. I think this guy is into it. Maybe. I think it's <laughs> it's almost they become a hobby it. to him. Right. Interesting. That is a lot of commitment to get out of paying the bill. It really like, is. I think it would be easier just to dine and dash. I think it would be easier to invite a couple to go to dinner with you and just leave before them. Um. I think it would be easier to pull the fire alarm in the restaurant. Not that I've thought any of these through before. But. <laughs> I know you have. Oh, man. So I, when I was in high school and I was dating my current wife, um, without fail, you know, we would always go on group dates with some of my friends. And without fail, this one friend of mine every time, every time, would wait until we got done with dinner. And then he would put the menu up, you know, and be like, hey. Do you got me? I don't have any money. <laughs> well, I'm not going to name him because he might, he might listen to this podcast. Oh, you know who you are. He He's knows probably who he gonna is. know it's him. <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. But without fail, every time. So I'd always cover the bill. And then I don't think he ever got even with me. <laughs> so, all right. Here's what I think you need to do. You need to, to invite him to go to dinner with you. It's actually Michelle. a good idea. And then you totally need to skip out before you to turn the tables, the check, and just leave it with him. And then if he calls you out on it at any point, be like, "Hey, remember all those times?" <laughs> yeah, I'm just too much of a pushover, I guess. Yeah, I don't I know if I'd too. do it. Old pushover, Matt, and for other people. Oh man. I'll have to I remember that next time we're out to dinner, Matt. All right. Oh, so this I'm, Lithuanian I'm man, he got me. Does he live in Spain or does he live in Lithuania? Uh, it doesn't say. It just says a Lithuanian man, and this this is all happening in Spain. So, so, so he's crossing the border to dine and dash. Only yeah, it's, a, it's a couple staging. couple countries away. Yeah, it's it's not like yeah, it's right couple, next door. But like, is he traveling over there just to get a free meal? And it's interesting though these bills that. I'm looking at here, none of them are what what are considered super pricey or upscale. We're talking mm. 20, 30 bucks. Like McDonald's. McDonald's. He's faking a heart attack at McDonald's. <laughs> These are yeah. like Applebee's type restaurants, it oh, seems man. like. So uh, he's, he's wow. not, it's not like he's making out for hundreds and hundreds here. He's... And if these restaurants, just the, at the end of the story, if these restaurants like they're planning to decide to file a joint complaint, he could end up in jail for more than two years. And so that wow. looks like that's what they're planning to do to this. You guy. know what though? Is it really a loss because you get three squares a day Yep, for he, free? He was just looking for free food, man. And, and now he's got it in jail. Club med. Send me. Well, that's this, awesome. This is my in the hat south of Spain. Yeah. goes off to the creativity. Um, that is some commitment to be able to go out and eat. So good job. Well, 
That that does. Well, I thought you guys might like a food-related headline. That that was a good one. I, so what we decided to talk about to lead into November 2023. Well, we hold will, on. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> what is – there's two things you should never talk about with family and friends at Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about one of those topics today. Yes, That's we are. Right. That's right. We like and living on the party. edge. Here at the Thankinati. Oh man, that's uh, we've been waiting years, gentlemen, to to tackle a topic that's taboo, and and we're about to dive into it. So, being November, you may be experiencing a little bit of politics in your life. Dun dun dun! Politics, politics, politics. Cue the music. I, I didn't mean to swear, gentlemen, but I had to say it. Politics. It's it's <laughs> you said the p word. It can be a dirty word. It can be a very controversial trigger word, if you will. What we'll do today, though, is we're going to try and stay impartial, but heavy on the opinions. Still, I, I think you'll like what we what we dive into here, because of course we're going to be looking at the conspiratorial angles when it comes to the two party system that we find ourselves in today. Gentlemen, are you ready to tackle a topic? That may get us assassinated. You guys ready for this? <laughs> well, I don't really want to yeah. be assassinated. I don't either. So... But... <laughs> but yeah, I'm ready to talk about it. I've been. And why is it that we? In. Why is it that we think we're going to be assassinated? Well, it, it's it depends on how you feel about these two parties. Now, again, we're gonna we will attempt to stay impartial. I think you'd find that the three middle-aged men on this panel are. Pretty diverse politically, believe it or not. But, again, we're going to stay away from it. We want to stick to the facts and discuss some of the maybe behind-the-scenes inner workings or, or, or conspiracies, if you will, as to why we find ourselves in the position that we are in today, especially here in the United States. Wow. So that Sounds like a cool subject. That's what Let's I'm talking do it. about. Wise. Let's first talk about these political parties. How did this even happen? How did we get here? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Let us talk about the beginning. So I don't know if you guys remember back in the, the way back times of the 1700s, Ooh. or maybe some things you might have learned in history class, but do you guys remember a guy named Benjamin Franklin or James Madison by chance? Oh, yeah. Benjamin Franklin was there, one of our presidents, right? Because he's on our money. Isn't yeah. that how that goes? Oh, okay. Should sorry. Be. Oh, sorry. He's not. He was never oppressed. Sorry. Sorry Popular about that. Popular dude, okay. though. But yeah, our founding fathers they they came from across the pond. They weren't real happy with what was happening over there. They get over here, obviously decide they we can do better. We can do things different, whatever. But one of the things they really were not thrilled about with politics across the pond was the the division and in their political system and how you know that led to you know factions and people fighting and blah 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 and so believe it or not and when they were talking about setting up a new government you know they actually had several comments and stuff about how they did not want to recreate the the type of government they came from um, they felt like um, the, having different parties and stuff would just drive a division in the government. And so they were very much opposed to it. Um, so, you know, do you guys know how long that mantra of not being divided lasted? Man, not long. Hot, hot minute. <laughs> well, about nine years. It lasted about nine years because um, it was in 1787 when, like, Ben Franklin got all preachy about it. And by 1796, when they had a presidential election, some things came out. And guess what? There was parties. Like, literally. They couldn't even make it to year 10 of this new government without wow. splitting up. Well, ever since um, the beginning, I think that if you look at it, there's always been two major kind of ideals, right? Um, 
And what they are is one group of people has always kind of supported the idea of a strong central government um, being like federal government or federalist. And then another group was for not having a strong central government and making it more uh, localized, right? And that's still kind of what we have today. Um, Supposedly. Just in different what, – what's that? Supposedly. Yeah, allegedly, right? <laughs> but, you know, I mean there's a lot more to it these days than there was back in those days. But it, back in those days, those were the two main ideas that drove – kind of um the direction of the parties Uh, you know so we call it federalists and anti-federalists so one faction wanted to support that strong federal government side and one one group um was opposed to that power to the states yeah that's that's kind of the beginnings of how things kind of started to be polarized and separate yeah it's tough not to, gentlemen. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we we only had a short run? And if you remember the Constitution, kids, uh, you'll hear no mention of political parties. They wanted to keep that out, the riffraff out. And yet, like Bobby said, we had a short run. Alexander Hamilton, for example, Federalist Party. Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Is that how it goes? I don't know. Yeah. I've never heard the that. Musical. And then you have- and then you have a, a political influential man, Thomas Jefferson, who was that that anti-federalist or the, the anti-centrist type party. Now, that's interesting. Yeah. And then it just kind of continued from there. There were, I, I found this interesting. I, I didn't realize a little bit later, early 1800s, there was a, a one-party ruling period. <laughs> they, they call the period of an era of good feelings. 1817 yeah. to 1825. So again, a short run of Could not having two political unity parties. Unity or peace, <laughs> happiness. Right. So that Federalist Party declined. And, uh, and then you see the emergence of the Whig Party. Whig. Yep. And you had, <laughs> well, I think right before that, you had Democratic Republicans. Democratic Republicans is the dominating political force that came out right. of that era. Yeah, they were yeah. also called the Jeffersonians. Uh, right. I, I always think of a wig when I think of Jefferson, so I, I, I feel that. I support that name. And you had uh, really an opposition of the President Andrew Jackson's politics when it came to that so i found that to be interesting as well Uh, then he had the democratic party the rise of the gop so what is you guys have heard that term before the yeah do you know what what it means what does gop stand for i think it stands for grand grand old party the grand old party or the republican party yeah, as, as you people. may <laughs> good old people damn good old people damn republicans <laughs> mm-hmm and good and, old boys. And you may know, uh, maybe know this name, Abraham Lincoln, as kind of the face of that party, an anti-slavery, yeah, anti-slavery party uh, that, that continued throughout the Civil War and Reconstruction. So, yeah, it's interesting see, how these things evolved. You know what evolve. made Lincoln kind of so, so different, though, is because most Republicans supported slavery. Most of the wealthy Republicans rep- supported slavery. And so Lincoln, when he came out kind of against it, um, was kind of the, you know, the polarizing figure of that party, right? And this, and then right after, well, not right after that, but down the road, um, things really changed when FDR became president um, and the Democratic Party uh, became the party of, you know, strong central government, kind of reversing their role. Well, all the way up so, until then social like welfare they places. yeah yeah social welfare was a big deal if you remember some yep. of the the new deal policies that were enacted during that era and uh the republicans emerged as that limited government conservative value type right political party which we kind of see at least what they claim today that's that's really interesting so earlier so, brandon you asked a question about why do we think you know 
we divide into parties and why they divided so quickly and why we do it today. And to me, it's just human nature. We, we like to, you know, go have that water cooler talk and find someone who will align to our values. And, you know, you get talking and you get the whole group together and it's easy to come up with, you know, a natural click or club of, Oh yeah, we, we stand for this, blah, blah, blah. And I think humans just naturally like to have a little bit of um, controversy. And, you know, so you start saying, you know, you don't like something about somebody else and reminisce. And all of a sudden you got two different groups that all of a sudden they're just natural enemies. And that's not limited to politics, gentlemen. I think this is just a natural human nature Mm -hmm. attribute that we have. I mean, think about it. This may be, just think about all the other things that we, we debate other than politics. Are you Coke or Pepsi? Mountain Dew. Okay. Thanks for, for that. Uh, <laughs> or Dr. Pepper. Well, Mountain Dew is a Pepsi product, right? So you're, you're <laughs> right. Pepsi. Not always. It was Apparently created in yeah. the hills. It was created See, in the are. back hills. Bunch Look of moonshiners. This is dividing. This is <laughs> yeah. a dividing topic already. What else are we fighting about, gentlemen? I don't know, man. Well, uh, are you Taylor or are you Travis? <laughs> Do you have to pick one? <laughs> Apparently, yeah, you can't have, you have can't they broken have up already? Oh. No. They will be eventually. You it's know, inevitable. You know, I know I've ranted a lot about this relationship, so I'm not going to go far on this. But I'm very happy for him. I I hope I'm not fooled. Um, we'll see. Get it a few more weeks. And then, speaking of sports, I mean, look at college sports or or local sports with high schools or if if somebody. Uh, states themselves as a certain fan of a certain team there's a reaction right there's booing, BYU there's versus Utah that the is Holy like War. the ultimate division that is it's, story. It's, and it's much deeper than just a sports team right it, it goes into religion or Aggie and, and Blue versus Cougar Blue <laughs> Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State or was Michigan, the big Ohio one. State even. I, I grew up hating red and if somebody was an Ohio State fan, I had a physical reaction to them <laughs> in a negative way, and I kind of still do. And it's, Brandon, it's, who hurt you? It's tribal. And who did hurt me? Gosh. He got bullied. Some, uh, some it Ohio Big State. Red. He's a you nice can, guy. You can do it with uh, so many different things, people. I mean, this this it goes on and on. Music. Are you Beatles or Rolling Stones? Are you NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Definitely Neither. Backstreet Boys. But... Uh... <laughs> All right. Can can you see where we're going with this? I think we have a natural tribalism about us. And well, so you know, what... it's kind of fun to point out what you don't like about the other guys. Yeah. We want teams, don't we? And whatever yeah. we do, whatever we do, we want to be on a team and we want to defend that team to the death. And so that translates easily and almost by design into politics. They know that. They know what they're doing when they create division and and get us to pick a side. So, gentlemen, what's happening behind the scenes here with politics, with this two-party system? Well, Well, here's the deal. Yeah, go ahead. We call it a two-party system, but did you guys actually know there's a lot of parties out there? There You've got the Libertarians. You've got Independents. You've got the Green Party. You've got the guy that don't want to pay his rent. The rent's too high. Um (laughs) You got all these different parties out there with different beliefs, but guess what? If you were to turn on the news and listen to it, you would think we only have two parties. And I have had this argument with some members of my family multiple times of, why are you voting for that side? Well, because they're less worse than the other side. And it's like, look at all these other people that actually might do some good things. Well, you can't vote for them because they'll never win. Well, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If nobody will vote for them, then guess what? They will never get in. And so we were stuck voting for the lesser of two evils, which is just absolute garbage. But then you have to you have to consider the conspiratorial aspect of all of this, right? Yeah. And and here it comes. Here it comes. But the reason 
that you're not getting all of that coverage is because now news organizations are owned by large corporations, right? And large corporations have vested interest in what happens in politics, and they want to keep it two parties because it's easier to control things, right? If you have one party that's the dominant party in Congress or in the Senate, you're going to get your legislation passed that benefits your company. And so if you also, a large corporation, own a a media outlet, you're not going to report on all these little guys that want the job. It's just not going to happen. So you're going to make the American people think that they only do have two options. Well, and you're going to also report on things with a slant. Absolutely. You can tell the same story two different ways that would lead people to believe two different outcomes of the same story. And there's a lot of that. I mean, I know like Elon Musk and some other people are trying to say, you know, let's have like nonpartisan media. But still, you turn on the TV today and the main news outlets are very much partisan, even if they claim not to be. Yeah, for sure. I think everyone knows that and everyone can see that. It's not, that's not that difficult to see. You know, when you've got news outlets that are owned by Disney, for example, or you've got news outlets that, that will only cover certain candidates at certain times and point out certain deficiencies here for a candidate that, you know, may not have those deficiencies or whatever. I mean, you, you do have to kind of follow the money trail and that's always been the the case, right? Let's, let's go there, gentlemen. You ready? Yeah. So, so when it comes to, you guys are hitting this on the head, you're nailing it. These two party systems, it, it seems like it will never end because of some of the reasons that you've stated already. What, what do you feel or what, what do you think about the word that I'm about to say? Uh, lobbying. You should put a beep in that. <laughs> the word well, that I'm about to say. I've got some opinions about lobbying. Are we ready to go there? Should Let, we talk about the, the influence of lobbying on the two-party system that we currently have? Well, so what, what is lobbying? Just, well, lobbying is where you know I can send representatives to try and influence you know people that have power right and so these lobbying groups like they're hosting big dinners and you know all these great things and favors and whatever um to try and convince people like hey you should vote for this so um big groups um, we'll have, and I'm not going to name any of these big groups because we're trying to keep this, you know, nonpartisan a little bit, but a big group will say, well, we need to convince people in power to vote for this. And so they'll go and basically try and plead the interest. So from that perspective, not all that bad. sounds fine. Right. And then you got lobbyists trying to get influence the other way. But where lobbying, in my opinion, becomes wrong is just the sheer amount of money in it. And, you know, these congressmen, if they don't go into government wealthy, how do they all leave wealthy? They're public servants. You know, they get put on boards of these big companies and stuff, getting paid huge fringe benefits. You can't tell me that's not a reason to sway a vote is that I'm going to get put on this board and make a million dollars a year just for sitting on the board. So let's, let's talk about what what would be the benefit of lobbying? What's a pro of lobbying? Okay. So I've got a great one here. Okay. A a friend of mine is a lobbyist for the American heart association. Okay. And what, and what organization and what he does (laughs) is he goes to the local um, leaders of the community here, you know, the Utah state, Uh, representatives and does his lobbying up there. And he wants to make sure that um, any spending that is done on, you know, uh, nonprofit groups like his, his is included because it's a, it's a um, valued community, um, you know, protect, not protected. What's the word I'm looking for? community valued organization right sure people see that organization as something that's doing the community good 
Um, and so they want to see if the government is going to allocate some funds that way that part of that goes to that organization. So that would be like the altruistic view of lobbyists, right? There's also lobbyists that represent schools and school systems and school, you know, local uh, money for schools and all of that stuff. And you could argue that that's a really good thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. so what you're you could also argue is... that it's <laughs> they're spending too much money on schools, but you know, it well, just so it just depends. Squeaky will gets the grease, right? And to get that will to squeak, you've got to pay for it. So what about all these groups who just don't have money to pay for a lobbyist to go and campaign? Well, so that's, that's the problem. I, yeah, the, the problem is not that there are lobbyists. The problem is the rules that surround lobbyists. That's the problem. And it's the same thing for candidates. Uh, the rules around spending and accepting money from PACs and super PACs and all of that need to change in order to make it fair mm-hmm. and balanced. Or, or it's, it's never going to be. Yeah, so like you mentioned, raising awareness through lobbying for some of these uh, super important organizations that a lot of people would agree with, uh, like an American Heart Association, a Red Cross, a, a charity. These these politicians may not be aware unless a lobbyist brings it to their attention. Uh, they can promote the rights of marginalized or underrepresented groups in society that normally would not get a seat at the table. Uh, again, another important role that a lobbyist can play. I think one, one other thing to maybe mention is a lot of times these representatives don't really have um, uh, an understanding of everything that's in a specific bill. Right. So right. you might have a guy that's, that's there that's doing his darndest to represent his people but may not understand every aspect of that bill because let's be honest these bills are huge right that's a whole other issue and they're technical and and you have to kind of know what you're looking for and so sometimes these lobbyists uh will help break down those things and say this is this is exactly what it's going to do um to our organization and that's what they're there to to kind of look out for and i think that's so if you yeah yeah, if you have a bill or something that negatively impacts the American Heart Association or the school districts of, of Utah or whatever, then you're going to need somebody to kind of, you know, voice those concerns up there on the hill before you vote on it and, and pass it. Or and they, I think that's a great organization to keep coming back to. They've done research. They've put millions and millions of dollars and hours into research and technology progress. <clears throat> Again, that, uh, that 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 needs to be at least recognized and supported. And uh, and you're exactly right. A lot of benefits, a lot of pros to, to the lobbyist theory here. What are some of the disadvantages, though? What are some of the, the, the cons to lobbying? Well, what if I decided, like, I have very strong beliefs about something that I think everyone should be mandated to follow so me being mr daddy warbucks billionaire decide to hire a whole bunch of lobbyists to go and convince people why they should pass bills that would restrict the rights of other people to make me benefit maybe make it so i pay less in taxes and the the bigger bulk is on somewhere or to you know try and convince some sort of ideology um, or morals or things like that. And if I've got enough money, I can have a lot of power because these lobbyists can go and gain favor with, you know, the government officials by inviting them to, you know, big dinners. They can help raise money for their campaigns. They can start these super PACs, which raise money. And what that does is now, what about the other side of the coin? You've got people who maybe have a counter belief than I do, but maybe they don't have the money to put forward. So guess what? Congressmen, senators, they're going to these big fancy balls, getting all this you know, fancy pamphlets and stuff and being educated 
on one side of the coin, but not getting it on the other. And, and these things align, typically the lobbyists almost align to a party. So we've got one party and you've got lobbyists that are supporting one side. You've got another party and you've got lobbyists going to them. Where the heck did we get away from, you know, debate where, you know, you take those two opposing ideas and you discuss them and you come up with different solutions to where now you could be benefiting a greater whole and good by having some sort of compromise and stuff. Lobbyists go against that because it's like, it's our way, right? There is no, like even the American Heart Association, great organization, right? Well, if there's limited funding for like these organizations and the American Heart Association's really good about it, um, campaigning, but then we've got this other thing like the American Liver Association. I don't know if that exists, but maybe maybe it doesn't. They just don't get as much attention. And all of a sudden, liver's getting no funding, but the heart is because people like hearts better than livers, you know. And so, I just think that lobbying is all about division and trying to pull people to one side or another. And I would like to see our people elected officials learning things on their own but also go have a conversation with the other side don't just talk to people with the same beliefs you have because all you're going to do is reinforce the beliefs you have and never understand the other side of it well you could argue too that the representatives are just that they're representative of the people that they that are in their um you know their area right so really really a true representative is not going to vote his conscience. He's going to vote the conscience of the people that he represents, right? But do you think that the, actually happens no, like ever? No. The The problem is, not, again, not the structure and having lobbyists. The problem is the rules behind it that are not um, there, non-existent, right? And even if they were, wouldn't be adhered to. That's the problem. If you came up with some rule that, you know, there was a spending limit, right? You have $25 that you can spend, you know, to yeah. lobby 25 bucks per year. That's what you get, you know, and you can't go over that or you are banned for whatever. I don't know what, whatever the rule would be, but there should be more strict uh, rules around lobbying and lobbyists in my view. And the same thing with campaign contributions from companies and corporations. There should be either a limit of like a hundred bucks or nothing. I mean, do not accept, you know, can't accept any money from any large corporation. Well, my personal belief, corporations aren't people. They're made up of people. So people that are part of that organization, work for that organization, shareholders, they should have a right to contribute, but I don't think the corporation as a whole should be able to do it. I don't think you should be able to have these packs and super packs. And I agree like with that. you. So um, that's that's the uh, that's the industry or that's the environment that we find ourselves in now is bought and paid for politicians. You, you already mentioned some of these politicians are they're millionaires ten times over. Millionaires. <laughs> they are. They're coming away from these positions, multi-millionaires on good salaries, but not. Not salaries that would dictate that type of well, income. Well, if they only had their government salary, they should not be making it's out the a way decent they are. Wage. Yeah. It's way more than the living wage in the areas they serve. Most of them. Yeah. But it's not enough to walk away as a millionaire. But you and... realize how they're making that money, right? It's not just sitting on on corporate, um, you know, committees or anything. It's actually that they're privy to inside information, right? So, big deal. Yeah. There's a lot so of conspiracies alleging that like they know information, and so well, they go sure. buy or sell stock of companies exactly. or sell that. it. Yep. <laughs> right. These are, things, these are things you can go back and look at. I, I, I recommend people Google and, and look at, if you're brave enough at least. Look at the reaction and the way that politicians acted with their money prior to the shutdown in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And that, Which that, again should be another rule. So if you, if you right. had a simple rule, here's the solution to everything, <clears throat> right? 
it is all about the money. It always is. It always it has really been. Is. It always yeah. will be. Yeah. But if you eliminate that, if you say, okay, when you come in as a representative in Congress or in the Senate or whatever, you give up your right to invest in anything, to sell any investments, you're frozen for six years or however long you're you're in term. Um that would change a lot of that. Well, I wouldn't go quite that far, but I would say I don't I think they should not be able to invest in individual stocks. They either should have to go into like mutual funds or have a a blind trust manager so That's they the can route, still yeah. invest and they can still sell. I mean, they need to have their livelihood and stuff, but they shouldn't be allowed to make trades. And like everybody who works for a corporation that's in a position of knowing something has insider trading laws. And theoretically, government officials have that too. But how many times have you ever seen that enforced? Um, you see allegations of it that are pretty cut and dry that if you saw that in like a actual corporation, government would be coming after those people. Like it's against the law. Um, but yeah, like they, they can go into public service, come out millionaires and their family members can become millionaires. And, you know, if they were actually doing public service, they shouldn't be coming out multimillionaires. Like that just feels wrong when the people they represent may not be benefiting. And like, I've long believed that if you go into public service, the amount of money you should be paid is the average household income for the district you serve. We should put up dormitories in Washington that are okay for sleeping in while I'm there, but not so comfortable that I don't want to go back to the district I serve because when they go live in Washington and they buy houses in Washington, guess what? They're so far removed from the people they serve. How can they represent their interests? Yeah, they should just set up prison camps for them, for our representatives. That's where they belong. (laughs) He who has the gold makes the rules. Is that the golden rule that we're talking about here, gentlemen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And if you have more gold than me, you you might be a more successful lobbyist than me. And uh, you will get your squeaky wheel greased before my squeaky wheel. And so these political parties have attached themselves to these donors and and really who can blame them we know that it's corrupt we know that it's <laughs> it's not what's best for the american people but if someone's offering you more money than another you may listen to them and 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 go out to lunch with them instead of the other and so what we have here are these two major dominant parties that are bought and paid for by lobbyists is that a a fair statement or is that controversial is that just a conspiracy theory i well it's part I, lobbyist and it's also yeah individuals right like yeah honestly out of the goodness of your heart why would you ever donate to a politician of any party unless you expected to get something out of it you're right and this is public information people you can go look at your favorite like coca-cola for example you can go see who they donate to you can go look up your favorite politician and see who they receive donations from in most cases, sometimes they hide behind layers like these super PACs, these special interest groups. They, they layer themselves over and over to the point where you're not quite sure who paid for what. And for and those who uh, don't know, a PAC or a super PAC is a political action committee. All right. Just right. I, I don't know if everyone out there realizes that's what that means. No, that's good. Well, that's, and the, the great rules definition. are different for donations they to are. these PACs. And they you they may... can do things more than the donation limits. And really pay attention to these political commercials that you see on TV and in the newspaper. For those of you who read the news on pieces of paper, uh, you, you can see a lot of these ads are paid for by some kind of PAC, some kind of political activist or organization group, a special interest group, on the behalf of a certain politician from one of these two parties mainly. But what about the little guys? What about these third-party organizations? They are being left behind when it comes to the money. It's a big deal, and it's a big problem. 
So as many diverse opinions that are out there in the world, how, like, why would we only have two main groups? Because like just between the three of us, we have three very different opinions most of the time. And, you know, but we have a lot of commonality as well. So like I get so incensed with the fact that I don't buy into the two party system at all. I never have. I consider myself more of an independent and I would rather listen to the the candidates like what do they have and and I can honestly say there's pieces of every party out there not just the two parties that I'll be like yeah I could totally get behind that idea they really mean something but I feel like I'm definitely in the minority belief of you should take third party candidates seriously so it's interesting that you say that because I, I just saw recently a um, a poll and they were talking about this this two-party system and how people identified and all of that. Well, more and more of the youth of the country are identifying less and less with the two-party system. Yeah, but when they so go to the polls and vote, well, does the, that the problem same is thing show up at the same time. No, because at the same time, the confidence level is low. They don't think that their vote is going to count because they don't have confidence that it will. Yeah. So, so it's my a big dad mix. and I have had this argument many times. Um, he's hardcore for one party um, and was one of the delegates or whatever, which we could go off for days and talk about the electoral college and stuff. But he and I had a conversation about one of the election cycles. I firmly did not support either candidate in the two major parties. And I was talking to about another candidate and the, I thought stood was right down the, the line and stood for the right things. Right. And my dad was like, you can't vote for him because you're just throwing your vote away. And my response to him was well yeah as long as everybody believes that that's true but if everybody would think let me vote for who i actually think supports my ideals the two-party system would go away overnight yeah. because that would force people to have public debate and discourse and that's what you need to have a healthy society is to be able to talk to your neighbor or someone who has different beliefs than you and actually have dialogue. And even though you may not believe the way they believe on everything, you may come and meet in the middle on some things, or at least respect where they're coming from and not have hatred against them. And I think individuals in the United States are more along those values. Like, I don't necessarily know what my neighbors all believe, but guess what? I can have a conversation with them. I can respect them. But when you start talking government and the debates and everything, it's all about what the other guy is doing wrong. It's never about, here's what I can do for you. It's about what they can't do for you. And I, along those lines, Bobby, I have yet to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody politically and, and not walked away with more love for that person. It's, it's, it's these one-on-one -on -one conversations that are so important. Even if you differ politically, you find common ground when there isn't the ego and the and the pressure that comes from this tribalism that we're talking about, this my team versus your team. I... Well, the two parties package up all of what they say the party believes in, right? And that's what they're right. going to support. And there's so many people that vote right down party lines. And so they may be voting for things they don't actually agree with, but it, it's a package deal, right? Yeah. Well, now you bring these third parties in. Well, guess what? When we have these debates, how often do you see these third party represented at a debate? Sometimes they are specifically and intentionally left out. The only way they debates. can be included yeah. is to have a certain polls favor them by X percent to even be included in the public discourse. So if you're excluding them from even having a seat at the table for the conversation, how are people even going to know what they stand for? And so these grassroots efforts to get people behind is incredibly difficult when difficult. Yeah. all the established norms are, we have debates and stuff. Well, if nobody else is represented and it's just these two parties who are just going to bicker and fight with each other, 
you know, we have to expect people to go and learn about the other parties on their own, but they're excluded from almost everything. So honestly, they don't even have a fighting chance at this point. And there's so much money in politics. And honestly, I think there's a concerted effort between the two major parties to keep all the others out because they're a threat to the existence of the other two parties. So that's the main thing the two big parties have in common is keeping everybody out because doesn't matter which party comes in. If they get a substantial amount of the votes, they're going to pull votes from one party or the other. And typically it depends on how far right or far left the other parties are and where the middle guy comes in. So if you remember, um, what was his name? Uh, Ross Perot. He was probably the most, almost most successful third party candidate, like of our recent history, right? Sure. Well, sure. he ended up yeah. pulling votes away from one party, and that party blames him for their losses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we just get away from that and say, you know what, we're going to have a debate, and I think it should be like March Madness <laughs> take the money out, right. no more commercials, no more flyers, but we have debates every Saturday or Sunday night for like a year and you get a bracket system going and then you do polls and stuff. We narrow it down, but everybody can start in the beginning. Everybody gets heard. I think politics would change. I think one thing to consider though, with the two party system is that you can find a wide range of differences within each party so you can have you know a fiscally uh conservative and socially conservative republican for example but you can also have a middle of the road republican that might not be as fiscally conservative and willing to spend a lot more money than somebody else or you may have a socialistic republican or you might have you know, something like that. And I think that the issue is that you can find enough people that align with a certain candidate that resides within one of the two parties that people have kind of settled for that. Yeah. Yeah, but if you look at almost every bill that goes through in the last 10 years that I've really been paying attention to this, it is quite rare that it's not right down the middle party line votes with the exception of like five people that may cross to one side of the aisle or the other. That's true. And so even though somebody that's in the middle may actually be willing to side, they get punished by their party. If they go outside of what the party is saying should be done. And I think that's harmful because if, if the party is like outcasting them for not, for aligning with the other party on something. The party leadership has the power to cut off fundraising and support and campaigning and stuff for this person. And that's going to stop public discourse because if now my livelihood is threatened that I may not be able to get reelected or whatever, well, maybe I will vote for that, what everybody else is, even though maybe it goes against my own conscience it's because difficult. I need to be in good graces with my party. You're right. Yeah. Lots so of things where, to consider, right? That's where a lot of the uh, conspiracies come into play too, gentlemen. Should we just briefly touch on some of the things that may be happening behind the scenes that specifically design our political system into these two different parties? So first of all, we've seen a lot of this as of late, Um, When you have two-party systems or dominant parties, election rigging comes into play. Allegations of election rigging over voter voter fraud are often the basis for for many conspiracy theories, right? So you've had this, we've had this ever since the beginning of political parties or or voting, uh, claiming that one party is systematically rigging elections to maintain power. We see evidence of that in other countries. But we are not exempt from that. But, I mean, there's always allegations of um, dead people showing up to the polls. Right, right. Um, there's allegations of companies that are building these devices to vote that they may lean one side or another and make the algorithms work different. Um, and then there's just good old fashioned, you know, 
trying to prevent people from getting to the polls or encouraging people to get mm. to the polls. Right. And I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but I remember my first time voting in North Carolina, I was a little bit shocked when I showed up to the polls and I had never like felt like a, almost accosted when I was voting <laughs> um, before I moved here. <laughs> I, before I could even get out of my truck, I had people like trying to hound me to talk to me doing giving me handouts say here's who we think you should vote for um and not the why i should vote for but here's a list of the candidates our party supports just go vote for them you know if they were like saying like hey here's some of the ideals they stand for here's why i think they would be good but no it's just here's a list of people that you should vote for that's crazy uh, yeah, the straight ticket voters, the the yeah, you don't even look at the the candidates' stances. You're not, you don't even care because they have a D or an R in front of their name. That that's who you're voting for. That, that's that's really interesting, and that's that's the way that they've designed it. That's the way that they like it. Is, mm-hmm. is kind of the conspiracy behind that. So you got- uh, secret societies. What do you guys think of that angle? We've got hidden agendas, secret societies, and groups controlling well, sure and the Illuminati's. Behind a lot of it. There's the name. There it is. (laughs) And we're not talking about our 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 podcast offshoot here. This this is the the real actual (laughs) faction of the Illuminati. (laughs) We We broke off. Just three of us. (laughs) Then you have the Well one third of us is German. That's where the Illuminati came from. Easy, easy. I'm just saying. Yeah, I okay. (laughs) I'm American first, sir. I'm just saying it, it uh, originated dare. in Germany back in the day. That was the Illuminati, the illuminated ones. You got me. You got me. Uh, we, we've talked about the distrust in the political system. Well, how about the media? What about media manipulation? Well, for sure. You can, uh, you can, again, look up the media companies out there that you trust, and you can see which political parties they lean towards, both financially and with airtime. It's it, uh, I, there are similar polls that show a complete distrust of the media by by that same demographic group that Matt mentioned. Well, the media, so, ju- I mean, just like you and I, like they, the people that are in those news organizations, they also have opinions. And I don't care who you are, if you're going to talk about something, no matter how hard you try, the way you tell it's going to come out slightly slanted to the way you believe. It may be your word choices. It may be your inflection. It may just be that you choose not to give certain pieces of the story or you embellish certain facts. So like that's going to happen. And I think the only way you can solve that is on the same organization, having people with different views on the same channel, but that's not the way it works. Most of the time I'm like, like if you turn on a certain news channel And it's not just the one, like all of them are like this, but every single news anchor, it's almost like they're the same person with a different head. Have you guys seen that, that viral video um, that somebody put together of all of these different news organizations saying the exact same scripted thing? (laughs) Yep. There's many, many examples of that. Just, just go on YouTube for that. Yeah. (laughs) It's fascinating. Yeah. Media manipulation is crazy. Um, well, then talk about social Dis- media. Distrust? Now, let's, let's go there for a minute, Bobby. Because yeah. um, me- these mainstream media outlets, such as your CNNs, your Fox News, your uh, CNBCs, your yeah. here, they are at their all-time lows when it comes to ratings. When uh, The number of people who actually watch their shows has, has plummeted. And it has shifted to independent media sources. The power is shifting back to the people it seems. And maybe some of that has to do with social media. What do you think of social media can be a powerful tool because it gives any Tom, Dick or Harry or Mary um, (laughs) the opportunity to go and post their views out there for anyone and it can get support and go out. So it's kind of like that, the, the public um, square and being able to get things out there. And so I think social media has done a lot of good for helping you know, certain voices get out there and put people on a fair playing field. 
But at the same time, it's really easy for these social media companies to have algorithms that can present certain things to certain groups based on what they're looking for. And there's been a lot of studies that are like proven that people that believe one way are going to naturally follow that. But having the ability to find a lot of people with that same idea and they section off virtually can be dangerous because it reinforces very strong opinions that can almost become radicalized very easy on any side of the spectrum. And also you can get a lot of false information. Like you can talk about some false stuff in the mainstream news orgs, but theirs is probably less faults is just maybe slightly slanted or not done but i've seen some stuff on social media that's 100 lies but it gets a lot of attention and people believe that well and the other problem is censor censorship right and that's what we've seen with with uh facebook for example just one example right during the campaign um they they took out a lot of information you know just because they didn't they didn't agree with that and so there was some censorship there that was media. We, we call well, I think the phrase is media manipulation, right? And like you said, they used um, the data that they'd gathered, um, analyzed that data, uh, focused their algorithms so that when you, uh, let's say, you know, taxpaying farm guy um, is accessing his Facebook, you're going to see certain news stories that support a certain narrative. Mm-hmm. And they can manipulate that to get a message across or to encourage voters to vote a certain way. And that's that's dangerous, right? And admit it, uh, some of these new some of these social media leaders have admitted in Congress um, of these yeah. algorithms, these echo chambers, like Bobby was mentioning, we're just trying to get clicks, basically, is what they admitted to. And, and that might mean I am now pushing a bunch of stuff your way that I think you're going to click on. Or it's the other way, like Matt's talking about, I want to push a certain narrative to a certain group of people who I think need to change their mind about something. Man, yep. it's, it's, it's something we really have to be careful of. The way things are set up is we want to fight over things that we'll never come on the same page with. Why do we want to fight? Well, because it's fun. And it distracts people. Okay, there it is. And that's the end of the episode, guys. Thanks for... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say that everyone wants to fight. I think that there are some people out there that really, really have a kind of the view of, let's all get... Like Robert is saying, let's get along. Let's move forward. And I think people are kind of getting sick of the fighting. You know, the infighting and all of that stuff. You know, anytime you enter the realm of politics or talking about two parties, um, it's a polarizing thing, right? It's a polarizing discussion. You're going to have strong opinions one way or the other. You're going to have um, just kind of some, some ingrained beliefs there because of how you're raised or who you were raised with and around and all of that stuff. Um, you know, so I think... I think it's good to have these healthy discussions. Um, but at the same time, just remember that we're all kind of in this together. We're all friends and neighbors and we all need to work together to kind of come to a good selective solution all together. Right. For things. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to talk about these, these issues, but I think it's a good thing to remember how to be civil about it. And we've mentioned a lot of the pros and cons of the two-party system in this episode. A lot of cons, though. It seemed like we went negative for a while. but um... There's no benefits to just two <laughs> it's parties. Tough. It's really there's tough, none. right? It's tough to see the positives when there's so much division. And so I think Matt's right. We, we've got to sit down and talk to each other, love each other. We're in this together. And, and, and work on solutions on a one-on-one personal level first. And uh, I, yeah. I think we could we could affect it from the bottom up. All right, guys. There, picnic there... at my house. Everybody come over. <laughs> I'll make some lemonade. We're all invited to the barbecue from either side of the aisle. You, you come. We're going to come and 
You know, here's <laughs> actually an idea. What if we change the seating arrangement in Congress? You can't sit by someone in your own party. And force them to go to lunch with someone from the other party. Like, they hate each other. It is unreal. It is a hard topic to talk about. It's Um, But you'll notice, we didn't talk about any beliefs, really, of either party. We didn't talk about which way we side. We talked about the system as a whole. Um, And I think that's what people need to question, is the system as a whole. And how do we get better? Are we being manipulated? Is this on purpose? Is this by design? So again, something to to pay attention to. Whether by design or not, it was predicted. It was (laughs) foretold by the founding fathers when they said, hey, we shouldn't do this. It just shows you how inclined we are to become tribal. So on that note, gentlemen, you're wrong. I'm right. Have a good night. (laughs) Hey, you rhymed. You're a poet. You're wrong. Have a good night. Okay. We'll talk to you later, gentlemen. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Assuminati Podcast. Remember, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. Be sure to hit that like button. We recommend subscribing with notifications so you don't miss an episode. And be sure, of course, to share with your friends. Until next time on the Assuminati Podcast. So I was in the drive-thru for Taco Bell the other night because my wife won't eat the stuff. She calls it stoner food. Oh, come on. <laughs> and sometimes I just like it. And it was in the drive-thru. The and there's this car ahead of me. And I'm sitting here thinking, you, you know when you're just waiting, it's like, what did they do? Order the entire menu because they're, they're just sitting there forever? Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out, the person was a little bit upset about something. And all of a sudden, I see her take a burrito and throw it back through the drive-thru window (laughs) and this thing. And the drive-thru person, like, slams the window shut and, like, won't open it. And the lady's screaming and yelling. So then she pulls up, like, to the corner whatever. And it's raining hard outside, right? Gets out, leaves her door open. All of her passengers are still in the car, and she storms in there. And I naturally pull up to the window because I needed my food. And I can hear her screaming and yelling at them because she is mad about how they made her burrito. Like, wow! why would you get so mad? Like, guess what? Taco Bell is going to get your order wrong 90% of the time. (laughs) Just own it. That's a it's that's a cheap. risk that you sign on to when you enter yeah. that drive-through. Yeah, well, it's, it's expectations, right? It's right. somewhat tasty sometimes, but guess what? It's all the same ingredients in every single meal. Every it's just in them. a different order, in yeah. a different shape. But yeah, True. like this lady was like freaking out, and like she's still there when I leave, and I had to like turn and get all creative to get out around her. And I kind of eyed in her car passengers, and they're just sitting there with their hands folded, waiting. And it's like, <laughs> you guys live with someone crazy. Oh, well, and I wasn't going to hang around. Like, I didn't want to get a burrito thrown at me. Yeah.